This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper Mattress, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. Just go to casper.com slash MuggleCast and use code MuggleCast to get $50 off your order. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 332. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Eric and I are together this week in Chicago. Hey, let's hold hands, Andrew. <laughs> we are show. Oh, he just touched me. <laughs> Eric uh, has opened up his home to me, and his landlord has opened up his home to us <laughs> yeah. for us to record in. <laughs> it's amazing. Because Eric's uh, roommate is moving out. How did, how did you get to keep the apartment? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it was a series of uh, Game of, of Thronesian, uh, Martinian uh, tricks, and uh, I need he killed not her. Say more. I played the film. Wow, <laughs> Eric, that is Eric. just unacceptable. But no, actually, you know what it was? Was she got married, uh, and uh, her husband and her did not want uh, me as a roommate, so they moved out. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what. It was. You... Not just because it's you. Just I'm the. That's me. The third wheel. <laughs> Do you get at least so. get to keep the dog, or is that going with No, well? it's not my dog, dude. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the time I spent uh, with the dog um, a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, he kept me he yeah. kept me company while uh, I was stuck trying to get back from Salt Lake City to uh, New York. That's right. That's right. I'm about to move out here next month, and Eric's been showing me the town, and uh, he'll have a new dog to hang out with. Yeah, Brooklyn, in Chicago. We were at um, Market Days here in Chicago last night, which, like, if you hear the name Market Days, you're like, okay, some nice farmer's market (laughs) festival. You can go and pick up carrots and Well, that's pretty much what Market Days really is, except none of the men are wearing shirts. (laughs) Right. It's it's essentially Chicago Pride (laughs) 2. And so we went, knowing, knowing what it was, of course, and we passed a booth. So all these, so it's called Market Days because all these local vendors and big brands are out and, you know, pushing their stuff. And uh, Eric came across, what was, do you remember the name of it, the book one? No, uh, I have it in the, the receipt for it, though. It's, it, it's, it's a vendor who has all these old books, hardcover books, and she cuts out the center of them mm-hmm. to make. You know, kind of like a secret hiding place. It could be a secret hiding place or it could be a, uh, you know, just, it's kind of, it's just a kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So we see Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows there and we're with uh, actually a new friend of ours and a MuggleCast listener, V. And um, I'm like, oh, look, Deathly Hallows. And I turn to V and I'm like, have you heard of that jokingly? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I was like, dude, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just I'm trying to mess with her. But then Eric spots Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently this woman was very pleased. She said Harry Potter was doing very well at this festival. They, they, they <laughs> we, these were the last two copies of. She didn't say if she had brought all seven Harry Potter books, but um, yeah, so her trade is she hollows out books, creates a, a nice little hiding spot, and uh, you know she said that Harry Potter had done particularly well that day. So, so wait, so she is responsible for defacing multiple copies of? I yeah. I had that same issue. At first. Well, here's the craziest part. This is what cracks me up. So Eric buys Goblet of Fire, and then we turn to Eric, and we're like, so how much was that? It was $26. <laughs> so Eric paid $26 for 
for a defaced copy of Goblet of Fire. You know, you know, the funniest part is we were talking about it this morning about going to talk about it on this show. And I thought, well, you know, I could justify the purchase because if it's $26 for, you know, a hollowed out Goblet of Fire, but it would fit right in on my bookshelf. And so I could covertly put like my U.S. passport, my social security card, my birth certificate. But I, like, and it would just fit on my on my bookshelf with all my other Potter books. Nobody would think twice. Mm. But now that I'm advertising, now that I'm broadcasting just this say, on the podcast, you just told I, I, thousands of people the fact <laughs> that, that I'm should they ever my... be in Chicago and look to mug you, uh, they should look for your passport and your social security card on your bookshelf. Now and now and only now <laughs> have I purchased a twenty six dollar thing that I can never use uh, because talking about it is 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 the worst part. But I said to Eric, you could still use it for something. Just don't put extremely important valuables in it. And nobody's going to rob you. I don't know. But I also thought, like, wow, isn't that a smart idea? Like, you can go to Goodwill, buy these books for, like, five bucks, mm-hmm. then take a knife to them. Well, the, no, the, I mean, the <laughs> thing is... sell it's, them it's, for five times let's, the price. Let's, let's not, uh, uh, you know, make a negative comment on this woman's craftsmanship. I think... Oh, I no, mean, it's good. Because they weren't just hollowed out pages. They were actually... So she, in the hollow, she then put, like, she felt lined the sides... Uh, you know, and it's got little like gems and it's like shiny and stuff on the inside. So it's, it's really like, it's like a cloth that's in the, uh, but it's still, you know, a hollowed out square. So it's not just like the pages are still there and, you know. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's a little bit more. keep trying to justify it, Eric. You're doing an amazing (laughs) job here. No, I mean, I'm just joking, but I just find it interesting that cutting out most of the text and most of the story actually increases the book's value and (laughs) <laughs> right marketability it's fun i mean etsy uh shop owners know this all the time with that stuff like there's 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 people who make like the um paper flowers out of harry potter book quotes mm-hmm. so when you're looking at a bouquet of flowers you can just slightly read down the petals and it's like oh name that chapter name that scene um the coolest part about this book though was she didn't cut out the first like 20 or 30 pages or so uh, so you can still read like chapter one of Goblet of Fire. <laughs> so she hooks you in. Yeah, and... yeah. So you hook in, and then you have to get another copy. Buy another copy. Well, what you can yeah. do now, though, is go to Cursed Child and take out the Goblet of Fire references and put them in there instead. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. That's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Well, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about how Harry Potter has changed pop culture. We're going to have a main discussion on that. And uh, we got some responses from our supporters on Patreon. First, one news item, bit of a slow news week. Forbes always does these lists of the highest paid this, the highest paid that, highest paid actors, blah, blah, blah. J.K. Rowling is the highest paid author of 2017. It's the first time she's been at the top of this list in a decade since Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows came out. So, what catapulted her to number one? <laughs> well, you were <laughs> you were clear to name it. Oh, wait, no, you didn't on the Hypeable article. I trolled the hell out of Cursed Child on this one. I wrote, J.K. Rowling is 2017's highest paid author thanks to Fantastic Beasts and that other one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so Cursed Child, I think Cursed Child was probably the one that really helped her get to number one because with Fantastic Beasts, you didn't buy, need to buy the movie script. Of course, with Cursed Child, it being marketed as the eighth story, everybody wanted to buy it at their midnight release parties. I, I do wonder how much, like, percentage-wise, I bet I bet Fantastic Beasts was, like, maybe 10%, the script. Mm. 
and then Cursed Child was the other 90. But... I just find it so interesting because she didn't write the play. So she shouldn't even be credited as an author on that play. And how is this money working where it's coming to her, making right. her the richest author, when in <laughs> fact it's John Tiffany and Jack Thorne who should yeah. be on this list? Wouldn't that be funny if they were number one and the, J.K. Rowling wasn't? Yeah, I mean, that would be that would make sense. Unless it's under somehow the umbrella of J.K. Rowling, and then that's also how the Fantastic... But she like actually wrote the script for Fantastic Beasts, so selling the book form of the Fantastic Beasts scripts makes all the sense to credit her. But with The Cursed Child, how does that money still go to her yeah like i, I, I don't know i'm calling Very fake weird. news on this article i don't i don't think it's accurate <laughs> why well for exactly what eric just said she's she's oh, not okay. the author of cursed child so she shouldn't be credited with the sales of it maybe jk rowling wrote cursed child under the pseudonyms john tiffany and jack thorne <laughs> maybe in fact she just hired actors to pretend that they're them and it's another Cormoran Strike series sort of thing. Mm. Hey, James Patterson, are you the number one highest paid author this year? Oh, no, it was Jack Thorne and John Tiffany. Mm. Yeah. Who the hell is Who that? The, what? Well, is, is this list just for new releases? Yeah. Okay. So, so James Patterson, so J.K. Rowling was number one at $95 million. James Patterson was number two at $87 million. Jeff Kinney, this guy, what a life this guy has. He writes these uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. Oh, yeah. And they're just insanely popular with middle schoolers. So he's at number three with 21 million. Then Dan Brown, Stephen King, John Grisham, Nora Roberts, Paula Hawkins, E.L. James, uh. which is interesting because I don't think she published any new books this year. Um, and then tied for 10 are Danielle Steele and Rick Riordan, the author of Percy Jackson. Ooh. So... So yeah, I mean, this could be the last time she's ever at number one again, unless she writes another play or writes that encyclopedia. Or has other people to write the play for her. <laughs> or there are Robert Galbraith novels, though I don't think they come close to the sales of anything Potter. Probably not. Right, right. So um, you had in here birthday gifts. What? Birthday gifts? Oh, birthday gifts. Well, we got we got birthday gifts. Uh, the MuggleCast. I thought we you were talking to, about we neglect- me. No, we, we neglected to mention uh, on the last episode of MuggleCast that the very day that that same episode of MuggleCast was airing was our twelfth actual twelfth birthday. Yes. So August seventh, uh, two thousand seventeen, was the twelfth birthday for MuggleCast, and you know, even though we may have overlooked it, uh, our listeners. Sure did not. And I went to, uh, you guys know because I texted you, I went to the um, bi- uh, the MuggleCast P.O. Box on, it was Monday because I got the text message saying my packages had arrived. And I was like, who, what, you know, who ordered packages? What's going on there? And sure enough, our listeners gave us so many really, really awesome presents um, for our birthday. So we got, we got, we got birthday presents. Um, so I just want to shout out to Sophie who wrote a, a very lovely uh, thank you letter. <laughs> Believe it or not, we got beer. We did. We did got just any beer. It? The puck wedgie no, Not beer? yet. Not yet. We're going to try do. the puck wedgie beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we would have had them right now, but it's, it's it's a little early still, and I'm still hungover from market days. So. Yeah, so our, our friend Kenny, Kenny M., who's a MuggleCast listener, patron as well, uh, got the idea from... Uh, Shannon, another Patreon listener, who was mentioning this brewery in Massachusetts called Down the Road, and they serve the Puckwudgie American Pale Ale. 
And so when I went to the P.O. box and opened this up box, there were just four beers just in the box uh, shipped priority mail to us. And and, I, and he totally lied when the post person said, is there anything liquid, fragile, hazardous? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they, I don't know how they, they did it. But good. Um, good for breaking the rule. But uh, also we heard from Becky, Bernard, and Kevin. And uh, she thanked us. She uh, thanked us. Sent sent me some sweets. Sent Micah a replacement Ravenclaw book, and pledged so to, nice. And pledged to redonate to Millennial and, and MuggleCast patrons. Uh, P.S. Bernard and Kevin are my cats. So <laughs> thank you, Becky. Yeah, she was really thoughtful sending you a new book, Micah. Yeah. No, I uh, nice. have to say thank you. That's uh, it's going to go right on my shelf. I'm going to throw the other one in the garbage, or I'm going to burn it, or maybe I'll hollow out the middle <laughs> no. and I'll try and sell it. Um, down in the town oh square. For I like hear they're a good bucks. place to put your social security number. Yeah. Um, but uh, that but, was very uh, nice. Thank you very much. Yes. And we want to thank all of our listeners who thought of us uh, around our t- this time. Birthday, very, very special. And our final shout out has to go to Sharice, who we had on last week's episode, actually. According to her, uh, she says, congrats on podcasting for 12 years. I had started work on these guys. We'll let you know what that means. A couple of days before... I got the email from Andrew. So it is pure chance that I was working on them before then, but I hope you guys like them. Thanks again for the amazing experience. Keep up the great job. She sent us fully knitted Dobby the house elf, or rather, Three of them. rather Dobby's the house elf. Uh, and th- they're completely, I don't know how she did it. They're completely knitted, and they're wearing tea cozies, which are also completely knitted and come off. So you can undress Dobby if you yeah, want to. But she did it's a great job with this. It's it's Who really doesn't? insanely funny and hilarious. And we haven't tweeted this out yet, but they they look amazing. She sent little signs for them to hold. One says or they're double sided. One says uh, I support SPEW and the other side says Dobby is a free elf. But she sent us each our own knitted Dobby the house elf. Thank you so much, Sharice. By the way, what cracks me up is Eric always opens the gifts from the P.O. Box at the UPS store, <laughs> which, like, he always sends us pictures of the stuff, and we see the UPS store in the background, yeah. and I'm just thinking, like, why do you do that? Are you, like, trying to show off for the I, employees? No, well, well, the employees there know me. It's super funny. They know, uh, one of them's also a very uh, Harry Potter fan, and so she's really interested when I get a package, what's in it. But no, there's a very cool, like, little shelf thing that I can just open the package there, and I, you know this about me, I have no chill. Like I can't take a yeah. box the uh, half a mile to my home. Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you're trying can't to wait impress to have those her. Though, honestly, Eric, I think that's. Yeah, what it is. I think so too, Mike. I think yeah. he's uh, trying to show off a little bit. That's okay. That's cool. Thank you, everybody. We really do appreciate it. Um, it's awesome to continue doing MuggleCast twelve years down the line. Now it's hard mm-hmm. to believe it's been that long. And my birthday's only in a few days, so if you feel uh, like sending more stuff, please do. You're also turning 12, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No need to send it. <laughs> oh, your birthday's not in a couple of days? No, no, it is. But I'm when I said about sending stuff, you don't nobody needs to do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about pop culture, how Harry Potter has influenced pop culture and the internet. We have some interesting things to talk about there. Uh, but first, we have to take a moment to tell you about this week's sponsor, Casper Mattresses. They are an obsessively engineered mattress company at a shockingly fair price. Mike and I both have Casper mattresses now. Absolutely loving them. They combine supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right amount of bounce 
And with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. You can get free shipping and returns to the United States and Canada. And you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Micah, you're liking yours, though, right? You're not going to return it. No, I'm definitely not going to return it. I've just about made it through that 30-day window where the memory foam uh, has taken full effect. And I can tell you I've had a lot of good night's sleeps over the course of these last uh, couple weeks that I've had the mattress. And uh, for me, it's great. I think uh, you know I have a full-size bed. I finally upgraded after many, many years, and I'm really happy with uh, what Casper has to offer. Yeah, me too. Me too. Casper mattresses are, of course, developed and assembled in the USA, which is awesome. Got to support local businesses. Yeah, so please do check them out. You can go to casper.com slash MuggleCast and use the code MuggleCast to get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Again, that's casper.com slash MuggleCast and use code MuggleCast. We, you're gonna you're gonna love it. it it just such a comfortable mattress i love just curling up and at the end of the day and um, uh, i would say too this is a great time of year a lot of people going to college for the first time or heading back to college you need yeah, a mattress yeah. it comes in a nice easy box which you know surprised me when i got it for the first time i was shocked to see it come that easily and uh open it right up and uh it's ready to go yeah all right Thank you, Casper. Casper.com slash MuggleCast. Use code MuggleCast. Yeah. So on today's episode, by the way, I slept on Eric's mattress last night. Not a Casper mattress, but a comfortable Uh, one. Okay. (laughs) That's all right. Good. I'm glad you slept well. (laughs) We we spooned and everything, Mike. I took the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can do the same in Orlando. Oh, great. Micah wants the second double bed to himself. That's how that works. Uh, no, no. Eric and, I, Eric and I can sleep together in Orlando. Hashtag MuggleNet Live. We can share a bed Yeah, here. yeah. No, yeah. No, here. Oh, like, here. You don't have to go sleep on the couch. No, the couch is great, though. It is. I never get an opportunity to sleep on my couch. That's CasperCouches.com. Yeah. Casper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we want to talk about how Harry Potter has changed pop culture. Um, where do we want to start here? There's there's so many angles we can go. I guess let's just start off with the bare bones. Like, what has Harry Potter explicitly changed about pop culture? Not necessarily the internet. We'll we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed, as I'm sure we all have, just an uh, a growing prevalence. N- nerds are normal, you know. Nerds are normal, and and while Harry Potter can't take uh, in in the entire credit for that, uh, the Pop culture and the way that we relate to fantasy novels, movies, books, uh, film, TV, everything uh, has changed completely since you know in the in the twenty years since Harry Potter's been around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a huge trend, and you could definitely view it uh, through the lens of you know Harry Potter and how it, I mean Harry Potter simultaneously made books cool again and also gave rise to some of the most well-trafficked fan sites and fan podcasts and fan productions mm. on the internet. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. And, and just to go along those lines, a couple of uh, comments that our uh, patrons made, we asked this question over on Patreon, and uh, 
I'm summarizing a little bit, but to go off of what you said, Eric, uh, Becca Watson used the phrase normalizing nerd culture, uh, which I mm. thought was interesting. And then Roger, who notes that he's one of our uh, older listeners, um, he's a journalist who's been covering Harry Potter from 1998. And uh, two things stand out to him. Uh, Harry Potter made reading cool, as you mentioned, as it may never have been since Dickens. That's going back a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and second, the idea of mass fandom um, around a book series and all its spinoffs was unprecedented. Uh, he has two kids, 26 and 22, who have aged out of Potter, but he still follows it keenly and was surprised every week that muggle casters find something fresh and insightful uh, to talk about. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, well... On the point of reading, I I think that's one of the things you hear most from people who started reading Harry Potter, that Harry Potter helped them develop a genuine love of reading, which they probably never would have otherwise. Because um, like, when you were in elementary school or middle school, you had to read books. And of course, look, I obviously there's a ton of amazing books out there that kids should read and enjoy. But Harry Potter just struck something in all of us, all of us that inspired us to continue reading beyond Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a, a how-to on good literature. Harry Potter is you get you know a couple really well-rounded characters, some humor, you know, a really good sense of um, how to write and construct a novel, and it, it pays off leaps and bounds. And then a little bit of fantasy too, a little bit of escapism thrown in there. But with uh, some real stakes and, and heart, I think is what it is. I think Harry Potter, you know, it was very clear that the author cared about what she was writing. Um, and, and, and you know, in turn, we cared about it. And that was a really good way for pop culture, internet, um, to, to start off the internet age uh, was with a book series that is so well loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a couple of people who are listening live are wondering how... Um, that guy's kids aged out of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing about that, actually. He's like, I'm 29. I could run yeah. laps around his kids. I, I definitely know people who were more into Harry Potter 10 years ago than they were now. I mean, of course, like, that's natural when you grow up. Things change. Your interests change. Your priorities in life change. So you're not tracking the latest news or, you know, listening to the Harry Potter podcast every week. We, we had five or six other co-hosts, I think, that would all fit into this category. Yeah, well, that's, that's actually, I was, I was thinking about, like, Jamie. Like, like, Jamie still loves Harry Potter to death, of course, and he knows how much Harry Potter has done for him. But he's not checking MuggleNet <laughs> for the latest mm. news anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah, because you just, you know, you, you're, like I said, your priorities in life change. Yeah. Let, let, so leave I, leave I, Roger I alone, okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Come on, Roger, get your kids back into it. I wonder, though, if, if Roger's, ki Roger's kids saw Fantastic Beasts. Mm. Because, you know, why wouldn't you want to go see a new Wizarding World movie. I am so surprised by how many people I talk to that haven't seen the new Fantastic Beasts. I can't believe it. Really? Yeah, people who are like genuinely like I'll have a conversation uh, with them about Harry Potter and how much they like it. And I'll be like, well, you know the Fantastic Beasts movie because I'm talking about it. And they're like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Or they'll ask what MuggleCast talks about these days. And I'll say, oh, you know, the Fantastic Beasts. And they're like, oh, I still, have to, still haven't seen that. <laughs> like, well, how do you get on it? Like, you got the memo. You know it's the Harry Potter world written by the same author. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, people. It, but still, like, it's sort of like Lord of the Rings versus The Hobbit. Like, if you love The Lord of the Rings, you're not necessarily like dying to see The Hobbit. I don't think sure. movie wise, I'm talking about. I guess that's not. That's that may not be always true, but I feel like, like in the case of my sister, she's seen all the Harry Potter movies, but has not seen Fantastic Beasts. I think we get desensitized too to like our own impressions. Like when pop culture, when something becomes so marketable as Harry Potter, we you, you ever like watch TV and realize after you're watching a show on TV for like an hour that you didn't even really barely notice the commercials. You right. know, for instance, like those commercials are all designed to get your attention, but we just like tune it out. I feel like people have gotten that way with new harry potter stuff and you know maybe we'll talk about that a little, little later about how you the internet so, like, freaks out hmm? I, I i would disagree with that because i don't think it's to the point of being overwhelming i don't i don't think it's constantly in the news at least and and you know we all podcast we all pay attention to it i i don't think it is out there beating you over the head like like some other things are well, I mean, anytime, uh, all it takes is a couple of clickbait articles that aren't as promising as they sound for me to turn off and want to turn off all of Harry Potter ever. Like, every time Joe sneezes, uh, somebody misinterprets it as a big reveal, and BuzzFeed has it, and, you know, uh, HuffPost has it, and all of a sudden the Daily Mail is reporting it, and it's going out into print publications in the real world about J.K. Rowling's misquotation. Well, but you forget that's how she actually accidentally revealed that Dumbledore was gay. She sneezed that reveal. No, she flat out. Give, <laughs> give her some credit. <laughs> give her some credit. She was handled. For the first thing she asked was, how old are you to that kid? I'm kidding. Yeah. But I, I, I just think, yeah, it's it's pretty, it's sensationalized. Like The popularity of Harry Potter, it might be difficult for some people to grasp how extensive, like how something could actually exist and be as relevant and awesome as it was 20, 25 years ago. Um, so maybe that also gives people like an aversion and they, they try and turn off. But in addition to that, um, Harry Potter, like how it changes and how we're continually interacting with it is it's, I guess it is an endurance trial, like for, for some of us. Cody also said Potter, he said he honestly thinks that Potter helped make our generation very liberal. They did a study on that, didn't they? Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't have the data in front of me, but there have been studies showing that um, people who have read Harry Potter um, understand compassion and and dictatorship. There was legitimately a study. One of the universities did a study that said Harry Potter readers specifically like understand the dangers of uh, dictators and are less likely to vote Trump. I'm, really? Yeah, that really came out um, huh. before the election. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like that, the one of my favorite pieces, I guess you can call it art, is that statue in the Ministry of Magic, mm. where you see the statue that says "Magic is Might." I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. and somebody's standing on top of it, and all the Muggles are suppressed underneath the stone, and that just really spoke to me. Uh, that's at the Harry Potter Studio tour, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree. I do find that most people I know, it could just be my bubble, but I do know most Harry Potter fans are liberal, politically speaking. Um, we do have a friend, Kevin, who is a Republican <laughs> and it's, still loves Harry Potter. Now. That guy's an anomaly in general. Uh, <laughs> this was Time Magazine, by the way. Time Magazine on July 20th, 2016. Headline, Harry Potter readers more likely to dislike Donald Trump study. Um, The study, which will be published in the 
political science and politics journal called PS. Uh, it was the University of Pennsylvania. Hey, shout out to Pennsylvania. Um, uh, said that readers might see parallels between Trump's political style and the book's villain, Lord Voldemort. That's the other thing about these books, okay? Because there's, there's so much in them that as you grow with them, there's more things that you can take out upon further reading. Yeah. And pop culture, like, that's new to culture to have something that's so multifaceted, um, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least, you know, how many movies or or even TV shows were aiming so high that not just to hook viewers or readers on the first go-round, but every subsequent go-round. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Potter does that, and I'm not sure there was a- a art in pop culture before then that was really designed or capable of handling that bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah, and I would just say liberal, too, um, could be interpreted as accepting. I think generally the the fan community as a whole is, is extremely accepting of, of all kinds of people, and I think that is pretty commonplace when you're bringing together people around a common cause, regardless of what their backgrounds may be. And I think you know the, the, the Potter community as a whole has sort of been a beacon for that. Yeah, definitely. There's one more we highlighted here. Um, JY noted that it, it's a gate. Harry Potter was a gateway fandom. Mm. That's borrowing from the term gateway drug. If you maybe you join the Harry Potter fandom and you really liked the community, so you were like, oh well, are there communities for other passions I have? Mm-hmm. Whether it's Star Wars or something very obscure. You can really find on the internet, and I guess this will transition into the internet side of this discussion, the uh, the internet, you can find a fandom, a community for, for anything, especially on Tumblr. <laughs> F yeah, insert fandom here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and fandoms mm-hmm. existed prior to, even online, but I think, you know, which we'll get into, Potter really caught the wave of the internet, unlike any other fandom before it. Uh, and before we, we kind of move on, I, I wanted to pull up this episode. I finally found it, episode 162, uh, because we were just talking about politics. And we, we spent an entire episode drawing several comparisons between the politics of the real world and the wizarding world. And we talked mm. about everything from racism to ethnic cleansing to Nazism to corruption and biased media and educational reform. Uh, so if people want to uh, take a look back, maybe I'll, I'll even go listen to that episode again. It's probably pretty timely given everything going on in today's society. Um, that mm-hmm. was episode 162. That's almost exactly half our podcast ago. <laughs> uh, I think 166 would have been half our, half our podcast ago. Um, so that's crazy. So like Micah said, Micah, I like that term you use. Harry Potter rode the wave of the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet was coming up at the same time that Harry Potter was. Um, fandoms like Star Wars were around before the internet, so they weren't necessary. They weren't growing simultaneously. Um, Harry Potter really helped develop the idea of a fan site, which we're going to talk a lot more about a little later. Um, but so since they were coming, since the internet and Harry Potter were coming up at the same time, it's a little hard to say how Harry Potter exactly impacted the internet. Right. But it is fair to say that the internet has directly impacted Harry Potter. Um, we all know each other thanks to the internet. A lot of people, 
you know, MuggleCast exists thanks to the exists thanks to the internet. All the websites do. Um, since Harry Potter, and this goes back to earlier in the discussion, you know, it wasn't necessarily cool at first. Right. It took a while. In order to find fellow Harry Potter fans, you had to look on the internet. And for a lot of us, like I'm 28 right now, um, when I first started looking on the internet for Harry Potter stuff, I was finding fan sites like MuggleNet and I think there's one called like Harry Potter Fan Zone. Yeah. Like some very obscure ones that I used to absolutely adore. I used to think like their their designs and just like the communities were so cool. I made my own Harry Potter fan site uh, before I got involved with MuggleNet. The first one was called Harry Potter's House. <laughs> and then I forgot to renew the domain. Oh. So I had to change the name. Oh. And What'd you change it, it to? Potter Profile. The Potter Profile. Oh, okay. That, that sounds Profile. cool, though, actually. Yeah, it was more adult. You know, I was growing up. I was like 15. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, okay, it's time to mature. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh but um but so people use the internet to meet each other and and that's how we all met every single co-host of muggle each other yeah because i mean this podcast would not exist could not have existed we every host was in a different state like mm-hmm. no no or two country. hosts were in or country yeah exactly i would say that that's another huge piece of it too is is the internet allowing an international community of people to come together i think unlike previous um fandoms that may have existed not to say that that opportunity wasn't there but you had a lot of people who were growing up too i think that's that's a huge part of it is that you all of us were were growing up with the internet and learning at the same time so all this was was new and was different i mean i noted here that to kind of set the stage when we first started this podcast 12 years ago facebook was just a year old Twitter was a year from existing, and obviously things like Instagram and Snapchat were a pipe dream. Um, iPhones yeah. did not exist. So think of how far we've come in that period of time and the ability for Potter as a fan community to align with all those things, to take advantage of all those things, um, I think really helped propel it. I, I You know, it, the books... Were, were sort of their own success, but I think it was just magnified so many times over by th- these these tools, these resources. Yeah, I mean, even looking back at, at MuggleCast history, and this has to be what tracks the most, like one of the most fun things I can imagine somebody now getting out of early MuggleCast is our announcements for each of those pieces of technology, or as they as they slowly get mentioned. You know, who's the first person to mention an iPhone on an episode of? I mean, sure, it's Andrew. probably me. It's yeah. probably Andrew, yeah, but or Kevin, right? Where he's like, in the future, there will be phones. <laughs> I saw the leaked plans, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, like it's just it's it's a time. Uh, what's the word where you put it in the ground? Time um, time capsule. Capsule. Thank you. Uh, of technology and how it's growing up with this. Things like Pottermore and the announcement. There had never been something like that. Or J.K. Rowling's website. There had never been interaction between a huge world global celebrity and her direct readership before. That cut through all the levels of red tape that usually exist between celebrity and fan. Mm-hmm. In a really frankly warm and hearty way uh and 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 looking at our own podcast history too uh you know all the little bits of technology that existed 
we had at one point. There were fan listings and uh, forums that uh, were like old PHPBB forums. The podcast itself, you know, I don't know if uh, we all had MySpace accounts, right? Did you have any Zangas? I mean, I had a MySpace. Growing up, like that was part of what you did and part of your identity. And there's people who role play Harry Potter on MySpace or chat rooms or any other. There's Flash animation. Do you guys remember like the fifthdistrict.com was like, they had that. Um, Badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. I'd never heard of that. Oh, well, somebody did a Harry Potter version, which was Potter, Potter, Weasley. And, I mean, it's just, whatever it was, whether it was early YouTube videos or Frapper maps where you could track where the listeners were. Yeah, where I remember that. From, or, the, oh, yeah, we were like, follow us on Frapper. We probably, that's probably that still. That was cool. It's probably still a thing. We got to look up and see if we still have a Frapper map. I'm looking. There's probably 6.5 billion people who like said that uh, with an R or no E. No E. Yeah, no. F-R-A-P-P-R. Think about. That was a huge internet thing back then. How we record this mm-hmm. show. I mean, yeah, we still use shitty Skype, uh, but. You know, the evolution <laughs> it literally broke up. It was breaking up as you said that. It was yeah, the yeah. Of course thing. it was. Of course it was. They're they're listening to us. So the whole connection's going to drop in like the next five minutes uh, or five seconds, I should say. Um, but but just the evolution of how people listen to us, you know, then versus now. Mm. You you can only get us what on an iPod or on iTunes back in two thousand and five mm-hmm. versus today. There's so many different ways that that you could listen to us. Well, and that was cutting edge. Like, p- podcast in the iTunes directory was cutting edge. That was the latest version of iTunes had that before yeah. we started. And we got a shout out, didn't we, during one of the Apple talks? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on YouTube. You got to look it up. MuggleCast Steve Jobs. Uh, just Google, just YouTube it. MuggleCast Steve Jobs. It's on there. There's even podcasts for Harry Potter. Ha. Can you believe it? And we're right there, right at the top. MuggleCast, Anderson, Ben Shane, Kevin Steck. All there. Um, but for, uh, But Harry Potter really didn't like influence podcasting i don't think uh, harry potter definitely fit naturally in with podcasting but yes. harry potter definitely influenced fan sites and after harry potter there was twilight there's the hunger games there's divergent there was 50 shades of gray and particularly with twilight there were so many fan sites for twilight and it was heavily inspired by what the fandom over in the harry potter community was doing I know one of the biggest Twilight fan sites, the Twilight Lexicon, uh, Laura who and Jen, who founded it, they were big, big MuggleNet followers. And so th- when they saw Twilight coming up, they knew that this was something that they should do for that fandom. And I, so, so looking at the lasting legacy of, of Harry Potter online, definitely fan sites, forums, fan fiction communities, like all this, Harry Potter was just so deep that... Um, you could create fan sites and whatnot and have them be very successful. It provided a template. People are going to mention Lord of the Rings. People are going to mention Star Wars. You you brought them up before, Andrew. But I think the key with with Potter was that the story was still being told, right? You, you know, yeah, the movies were being created, but to me, it was really rallying around the the books and 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 the story. And the fact that you could spend all this time online looking around, you know, discussing with people, theorizing what was going to happen next. I don't think that existed in the in the same way for Lord of the Rings or Star Wars because it had already been written. It was already final. You already knew what was going to happen. And in in this case, you didn't. 
Right, it's as it being a mystery, and I think, but what what you what I think you mean is like there wasn't an internet when Star Wars was still coming out, so there was not this global community able to get. to... I mean, maybe they did it through magazines. The early uh, Star Trek and Star Wars fans had ma- magazine publications and fan publications, but you know, in terms of the web, I mean, Harry Potter was the first presence on the web that was the first massive presence on the web. It set a template for how you do fan stuff on the web and there's plenty of other examples of it influencing the publishing industry like you said all those other books that got uh greenlit afterwards may have never been had it not been for the success of harry potter and yeah it's true uh as well as the the rights holders themselves i mean warner brothers sued the uh early fan site um webmasters cease and desist letters were sent to 12 and 13 year olds in 1999 uh telling them that that they were violating copyright by having a harry potter fan site and it it, it was a huge learning curve you know those rules those those laws hadn't been written yet um to protect and to understand what fair use was all of this stuff exists now uh largely because of people interacting with new media in new ways, including Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, at the dawn of the internet. And, and the- Yeah, and and um, I know Melissa from the Leaky Cauldron likes to bring this up. Um, um, the Harry Potter fan sites, particularly Leaky and MuggleNet, were the first ones to actually get set visits, to mm. visit the movie sets. And, like, that was just kind of unheard of back then as well. Um, and... I know one of our listeners emailed in, Sophia, about the creators and the consumers starting to work together more. Mm. This is this is a perfect example of that. Like the studios, after suing, <laughs> finally realize that they can actually be helpful. And now, like there hasn't been there hasn't been a a new Harry Potter quote unquote in a few years. Like Divergent kind of was, Twilight kind of was, and I just mean like there's an online community with fan sites and stuff. And these studios today work with these fan sites now because they know hardcore communities are in there your name is in the hunger games isn't it or is it divergent oh uh yeah the divergent movie yeah because i was because for hypeable i got invited to the divergent set actually here in chicago so what they did was there's this like there's this ranking board in the movie and tris looks at it at one point and there's a bunch of names like tris like like to see how their training is going how many points they've scored or whatever whatever and then the extra names the characters so they have the characters like Peter and Triss and all these others. And then there's the fan site people's names, like me. I'm actually ranked pretty high on that list, then please. Nice. <laughs> See, Somebody knows you and gave you a high score. It's just an amazing example of the fact that they now are more collaborative in terms of working with fan communities and, and fan websites because they know that the more that they do that, just I think the more success that they're going to have. And, and you know they're reaching their core right. fan through these sites yeah and it, well, it was proven it was proven that websites don't hinder but rather help harry potter fans the three years between books the the two or three years between books the fandom i mean i know harry potter is great and all but it really could have died if you didn't have those people or these resources where you could constantly talk about it and think about it and do more i think that we directly contributed to keeping the fire stoked uh, for for Harry Potter, yeah. um, you know, for I, each book and each movie. And I think right now you see this happening with Game of Thrones because you don't know what's coming on the TV show. So there's all this theorizing out there um, that you haven't seen in a while. And I say Game of Thrones, like obviously there's theorizing for lots of TV shows, but 
Game of Thrones, it's so popular. It is it is Harry Potter level yeah. for television. Like that's just Yeah, it's yeah. It's it could be argued to be one of the most popular television shows in in history and and yeah. to me the biggest thing that's facing them is the fact that George R. R. Martin has yet to release <laughs> the sixth book, never mind the seventh and final one. They they have a lot of challenges in my mind that they're facing with these last two seasons, um, you know, this year and next year. But that, that's that that's for another time. But um, and you mentioned earlier though the set visits. How about the fact that both uh, Emerson and Melissa were invited to go to J.K. Rowling's home and interview her? Yeah. Uh, you know, not long after uh, Half Blood Prince uh, was released. So. I'm still so shocked. Bringing the, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean that. Think about that. That doesn't happen if those websites don't exist, and and then obviously those websites don't exist without the internet. So you just think about going back to the point that was made about being able to have those direct lines of of communication, or maybe they're somewhat indirect in a way. But you know, it's the same kind of thing with Joe and her website very early on, and 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 now social media being able to connect directly with her with those that were in the films you know you're you're the, the community has become so much closer because of the internet and because of social media yeah and by working closely with the fan sites like you will get interviews like that one emerson and melissa talking to jk rowling that's something that you wouldn't get with you know a katie Couric on the today show or and they're Lester asking- holt yeah. On the nightly news, you get a genuine interview with genuinely interesting questions that the real fans actually want asked. Absolutely. And, ass- and that's why I would love to have J.K. Rowling on MuggleCast. <laughs> Come on over, girl. Yeah. And- we'll ask her the hard questions like, is Lavender Brown alive or dead? We would. Ha- I am so confident when I say this. We would have the best interview with J.K. Rowling ever. I think so, I'm too. not joking. It would be fantastic. We would ask the best questions that, always have been, that people have always wanted yeah. answered. It would just be the greatest thing. And I bet that's why she doesn't do it, because she knows it would be so good that she would just be exposed. Like, it'd be the Battle of Hogwarts. Like, it would all end there. Uh, I, <laughs> There'd be no more questions That is That her. is the boldest statement I think has ever been made on, on Muggle. Yeah, I mean, look, I want to know once and for all, what is the name of Aberforth's goat? I think we need to put it to rest. <laughs> Which one? You know there's well, more than one. Hey, look, they have a shorter lifespan well, there, than Aberforth. There, there's one, and then there's the rest. I mean, come on. Um, but <laughs> no, I, but I think those are the types of interviews uh, that you know an author like J.K. Rowling and, and the cast and the crew they want to do them because you know Ivana mentioned it when she was on the show a couple weeks ago. It just feels more natural. It feels like you're having a conversation as opposed to getting the mm-hmm. same damn questions thrown at you over and over and over again. You know, it it it's. You know, you're you're. It's a conversation you're having with you know people who enjoy what you've done just as much as 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 you do. With all this said about fan sites for how beneficial they've been for the communities, I actually do think that fan fan sites as we know them are on their way out, and that's all thanks to social media. You don't back in the day, you didn't have to. You had to go to MuggleNet to get the latest Harry Potter news. Now you just like and follow pages on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and you, you know we all exi- we all operate within these apps now to get our latest news. 
social media has really killed the fan site. Yeah. Uh, we were there to see it start. <laughs> grow and die. Grow and die. <laughs> uh, it's like a like a, a That's character. how old we are. A char- character in the Harry Potter books. <laughs> um but uh, but really, that's 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 been the the great thing is to see what's next, and also to ride that wave too. Like what social media to, to figure out? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I how agree to with stay that. Relevant. I, I also think though that there's there's a bit of nostalgia thinking back to J.K. Rowling's website and and really fan sites being used for things like book release dates, like book titles. I remember you know, going onto J.K. Rowling's website and trying to figure out what the title was going to be. I think it was for Half-Blood Prince. Uh, or Is that possible? Yeah, I think you had to solve a puzzle. She she always did an amazing job of, of making you kind of yeah. do all these little puzzles and, and find these clues in Earn order it. to get, you know, titles and things like that. But, you know, I think about trailers. Trailers were exclusively released on fan sites. That That's... Yeah. Mm, well, no. well, initially, ones, yeah. initially, not exclusively. They were they were initially put out, right? I mean, much like giving it to a media outlet, they gave it to a fan site. There was that one where they gave everyone a letter or something of the whether it was the Fantastic Beast film, but like twelve fan sites participated in this. Hypable had one. Mm. Land had one. It was a piece of a puzzle that only when viewed together, it was like uh, one of the uh, Corman Strike books titles or something like that. Mm. I mean, they gave you're those. Talking th- about Pottermore? I think you're talking about Pottermore. No, you know what I'm talking about. I actually just remembered the Kazu Kibuishi uh, book title or book covers were uh... released exclusively at certain fan events or key websites. Had, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Key yeah. websites had the ability to reveal what the book covers were. I mean, something you know, but small Pottermore as a book too, though, redesign, Andrew. But... To your point, Pottermore was a collaboration of fan sites being given bits of information, and you had to, you know, go to all yeah. of them to figure they... out exactly what it was. And Pottermore, when they were launching, they worked closely with the fan sites to give them previews before they announced it. Like, I I got a preview, and I had to sign an NDA so I wouldn't say anything about it before it was actually released. And by having the fan sites on their side, then they're they're just creating a more positive message out there uh, for the fans. Mm -hmm. Especially when... Because you... Because the studios are inviting you to the set visits, to the junkets, to please you. So you're going to write positively about what they're doing. It is it is manipulation. But at the same time, <laughs> you get to really, you can do a good job um, reporting stuff that a typical website, say like uh, comingsoon.net or one of these others where it isn't genuine fans. Um, they're not writing something as thoughtful as passionate as you are from the sad or from an interview mm. and same thing goes for coming up with questions right so one thing we wanted to ask ourselves is all this talk of fan sites and you know they are kind of failing but let's say is this, just, is this the fun segment time this is the hypothetical question hypothetical question game if you were to make a fan site about something today in the year 2017 what would it be and the rule is it would be the only site out there for what you're creating it for. So let's say it's the only Harry Potter fan site. And and it, it wouldn't be popular. Because as we were just saying, fan sites are kind of dead right now. But oh, no, it, it would be popular. How, what, it if, would? what if we say, yeah, yeah. Like okay. If you could create today the most massively successful fan site for a topic, what would it be? Right? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll say mine would be Bruce Springsteen fan site. <laughs> but I would also do it, do it if it wasn't going to be popular. Because... 
Because, like, if you're really passionate Welcome about to Bruce's something... Bruce's house. Bruce's... <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that domain. No, uh, yeah, Bruce's house.com. Um, no, I would, I would, um, I would still want to do it because I'm passionate about it. Like, when Emerson started MuggleNet, he didn't do it because he thought it'd be super popular. He just did it because he was passionate about it. It's amazing to analyze what made MuggleNet MuggleNet, too. Like, I think it was just the name, right? Just, like, a catchy kind of... It's a great name. It's, it's net.com. Some people... That confuses people. Oh, yeah. People no, still... Nobody to this day capitalizes the N except for everyone who's ever contributed to it. Um, not even Emerson does on his own website. Not even Emerson. Can't believe it. We discovered that the other day. Was, well, and people would usually call it Muggle.net. Yeah. I would get emails referring to us as Muggle.net. I'd be like, uh, no, excuse me. It's MuggleNet.com. Me. But Bruce Springsteen... Are there not Bruce Springsteen... There are. Well, what are they called? What are they tell us? Well, there's one called Backstreets.com. That's the big one. And they still have a PHPBB forum. What? And I still visit it oh my, daily. You guys, listeners, he's going on it right now. <laughs> Welcome back, Andrew. You have been... The headline is The Promised Land. Yeah, And he song. goes to the Backstreets forums and he's on The Promised Land. PHPBB is the system that all forums have been built in. MuggleNet's forum, COS forums, was built on PHPBB. The f- and, uh, MuggleCast fan forums were on there. And, well. I mean, forums, you know, speaking of fan sites dying, forums are another thing that's died because people just talk on on social media now. But there are still some forums that are alive. Isn't Reddit just, like, a big different yeah. way of, Yeah. I know the Britney Spears site Breathe Heavy. They have um, they have a, for- a very popular forum too. Uh, Her website might be more popular exhale, than she is called. right now. Exhale, okay. Yeah, Breathe Heavy. Exhale. Anyway, so um, so yeah, mine would be Bruce Springsteen. What would be yours, Eric? Uh, gosh, I I need a moment. I can't. <laughs> I know I had hours to think about this when we planned this, but uh, do you know what yours might be, Micah? Whatever the next big thing is. <laughs> you just want to make money no money uh, off the thing the next big yeah maybe there was there would have been a time where i would have said uh game of thrones but i feel like that's already well established and there's a lot of great sites out there now uh, right well, well the question is if there was all if you were making the first one first and only and it was going to be popular oh. so then it would be game of thrones the big game of thrones one is what winter is coming.net uh, Watchers, Watchers on the, on the wall. wall. Watchers on the wall. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think what I would. I know what I would do. Maybe, maybe Legend of Zelda. How about that? <laughs> Legend, <laughs> Legend of Zelda fan site. That's really cool. I would do a Nintendo one. Yeah. I, I yeah. like talking, writing about. Yeah, that's Nintendo. that's what I, I would do. I used to. I grew up going to uh, a website called Cheat Code Central. Oh, that was the coolest site ever. Wasn't that the coolest site ever? Yeah, it was the coolest site ever. Cheat Code Central. That was the website I had always wanted. To... Yeah, the we're talking about this, and Eric, he'll give you some more time to think about your answer. But the no, no, I legit that was my answer. Like I was getting into my answer. But what oh, were you okay. ask Andrew. No, no, I was going to ask about hypeable though, and and how you know really all of this has has led to creation of 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 your site and and all the fandoms that it serves yeah right well hypeable when we started it we wanted it to be a mug on it for all fandoms like that's how i've been pitching it to people for years um because we want to have that fan voice that genuine fan voice for a bunch of different fandoms um and th- in the early days we were trying to cover every little thing about 
every fandom that we were covering. Like, you know, okay, there's these new pictures for this TV show, and now these new pictures. Just like just like the little things like you would have on MuggleNet. But now we're trying to just more focus on passionate fan-written articles about TV shows, books, and movies, because it is impossible to cover every little thing for certain fandoms. So it's still a MuggleNet for multiple fandoms. We're just changing exactly how we present that but even i think you know like MuggleNet these days you you guys write original articles about particular topics within harry potter yeah try and have unique you know thought pieces and unique content because um, there isn't news right now so well and also i mean it's not that way that's what separates us from just a cold buzzfeed or a cold i mean buzzfeed is too that's the other thing is like people who grew up with harry potter alongside us are now the managing editors of online websites and you know you see so many harry potter articles on buzzfeed because you know look at who wrote them well you know old friends of ours um you know listeners of our show visitors of our website and friends and uh it's crazy to see that see that go but 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 getting back so i i would absolutely do a video game website absolutely like a fan site for all the games that i used to play as a kid probably a crash bandicoot website is what i would do i would have the <laughs> i would have the world's leading okay but but purist only the first you know four only the naughty dog titles and the activision one that just redid those in hd the insane trilogy it's great um but uh but yeah absolutely like video game fan site that was always that was the fan site i always wanted to have made uh, for sure. James is also pointing out on the, um, in he's listening live, and he's pointing out that IMDB recently removed its discussion boards, which was controversial because they wanted to push their social media activity instead. Um, yeah, I remember when they did that a month or two ago, basically forums. Uh, that, was, that was surprising because those IMDB discussion boards were big, but... All, all I ever saw on there was people trashing each other. Yeah, they weren't very, um, they weren't always that great. But people liked, I don't know, I thought I popped in from time to time. I liked the opportunity because it was like, if you go to a movie that you just saw as discussion board, it's like, this is the definitive, on IMDb, it's like, this is the definitive conversation people are having about this movie. Yeah. Of course it wasn't by far at all because the people you get on there are just your casuals with nothing better to do. Um, but, I mean, there, yeah, there's some interesting questions being asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you know maybe thinking back on it, uh, would a would a Trump site have been worthwhile? Yeah, well, if you were the first to create a Trump fan site, absolutely. There may have been an Apprentice fan site. Oh, like sure I know there's reality TV. That's actually a really good, really good point. There were real there were slash are reality TV fan fan sites like for The Bachelor and all them because there's so many. It's probably called like the. It's probably called like the Rose, and Survivor, the other one's right? called like the Island. I'm sure. <laughs> um. I mean, you know, just to start wrapping up, Harry Potter, I think, has definitely had a profound influence. So we're gonna we're gonna see it continue to have an influence as um, Fantastic Beasts continues. Pottermore could potentially be like a defining moment for these major brands. Like, there's an official Star Wars website, but they don't have like a a resource like Pottermore right now. Certainly not something as interactive as Pottermore Actually, is. Actually, StarWars.com is really, really good about that, releasing they, exclusives. They do break news on there. But yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's a false equivalency. But where are their, like, Hogwarts house sorting quizzes yeah, and stuff yeah. like well, that? Well, I mean, those directors, too, are running rampant on social, like, Instagramming. That's been the new cool thing is for film writers, directors, and showrunners to directly post to social 
mm-hmm. photos of the their their lead actors, you know, on set in the Millennium Falcon cockpit. The, you know, this, that, the other thing. It's just it's all changing, and I think people will be watching what J.K. Rowling is doing and how J.K. Rowling is doing this because she's led the way in the past for these changes to occur. So I think we should just do what we would have done anyway and keep an eye and and see where this grows from here. I mean, 20 years and no signs of stopping. All right, well, I think that concludes our main discussion. Feel free to email in mugglecast at gmail.com or use mugglecast.com. You can also tweet us or Facebook us, twitter.com slash mugglecast, facebook.com slash mugglecast. We're, uh, you know, no matter how you contact us, we're reading all of them. Um, We also do have that voicemail line. We'll get back to playing some of those in the weeks ahead. And by the way, if if you have a main discussion idea for us, if there's something you'd like us to talk about, let us know. We are we'd be happy to we'd be happy to take your suggestion into consideration. Our voicemail number is 9203muggle. That's a US number, so if you're overseas, put a 1 in front of it. 19203684453. Andrew, it's so fun having you here uh in Chicago. Uh <laughs> And, uh, Just reminded me of something. What? <laughs> Eric told me last night what my housewarming gift is once I move here. Oh, God. <laughs> we should absolutely talk about this. this is a- Eric told me last night that to welcome me to Chicago, he's going to give me a key to the P.O. box. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, you know, that's very thoughtful and that's actually very sweet. But I know you love checking the P.O. box. The I don't, don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> So I'll maybe have the key. I'll put it on my dress or something. But I won't access it. You can still key. go to it yourself. It won't actually be the key. I'll just make you think it is. It's a yeah, symbolic right. gesture. Yeah, fake um, key. Welcome to Chicago. But uh, but yeah, actually, <laughs> speaking of the PO box, if you uh, are feeling so regretful that you didn't send us a birthday thing, you don't need to. Oh, save stop, your money. Eric, that's so guilt. Save trippy. your money. Save. I'm just telling you, people save their money. But our P.O. box, which we announce uh, spottily, is four zero four four North Lincoln Avenue, number one four four Chicago IL six zero six one eight. You can address it to either Mugglecast or me, Eric Skull, uh, and we will get it. Um, but I don't know about sending more beer. But we'll let you know. Please we'll let do. You know how the what do you mean? Buckwudgie, you don't know. Uh, ale taste. Yeah. Well. You know, well, the other thing is, uh, it's nice to see Andrew here, but Micah, I'm going to see you. We're both, we're all going to see each other in less than three weeks at MuggleNet Live, mm-hmm. which is uh, the, the uh, MuggleNet Live 2017, 19 years later, on September 1st in Orlando, Florida. We're going to take the train from King's Cross Station inside the Universal Theme Park and just really have a blast all night in Diagon Alley with unlimited butterbeer, a feast of food and riding the rides. Um, we'll be also be doing evening. a podcast. There will be. We will be doing a podcast. Yes, at the end. For of, everyone. Yeah. So the the actors and cast and crew will be there. Um, and that <laughs> otherwise, it just sounds like you're saying website. like we're going to the park to have a good time. Without um, that, well, okay, okay, good. Uh, you're <laughs> right, Micah. Selling point. We're going to be doing one of these podcasts uh, there. Uh, but uh, and and you know maybe one of the cast members there will join us. Um, we'll get uh, Sean Biggerstaff to teach us how to play Quidditch. You know who knows? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening. 12 years later, we appreciate your support. To hell with 19 years later. Yeah. Talk about 12 years later. 12 years later. I'm finally getting a key to the P.O. box. So beautiful. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. 
With, without Eric on a delay, he's like right on top of me. Uh, he did that twice. I'm usually on a delay. <laughs> yeah. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Eric. <laughs> See everybody next time for three, three, three. Goodbye, three. <laughs> <laughs>